It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Casey Tanner. And I'm Camille Lewis, and this is Safe Word. Safe Word is sex therapy unhinged because instead of being a blank slate that's just here to support you, we're telling you all the details on our own sex lives, relationships, identities, and more. This isn't sex, and it's not therapy, but we are sex therapists, and what you hear today may excite you. Each week, we tackle a theme related to sex, relationships, gender, and more. This week, we're diving into the theme, should I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go? Isn't that a song? It is. Okay. It is. That's the only part of the song I know. <laughs> when we were bringing up the theme earlier, you said, this is the story of my life right now. And I don't know if you're allowed to talk about it to thousands of people. Yeah. But I'm inviting you to. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks for that invitation. I wrestle with this in my romantic relationships because I find myself experiencing a lot of anxious attachment in romantic relationships. And it really spikes my nervous system. Get the slightest sign of like discontent or issues. I'm like, ah, like, do I need to make a decision? And I really struggle breaking up with people. And I don't know if it's like the therapist in me or what that is just kind of like, I can make this work. I can have less mm. compassion and empathy. Mm. Or I think more recently, I've been thinking like the competitive ah. spirit in me, you know, I know we did like our assessment of whatever of our personalities and how competition is like my number one <laughs> motivator, I think, in life. And so sometimes I'm like, mm -mm, no, no, I can't let it go because then I didn't win. I don't know. I think that that's like more of a subconscious thing. Right now, I'm just kind of dealing with some unmet needs in a relationship is also really, really valuable to me. And so figuring out if the compromises that I'm making are sustainable. So I wake up every day and I'm like, should I stay or should I go? Exactly. Every day, <laughs> every day. <laughs> but I feel like it's often the avoidantly attached people that 
we think about as being in this place of like, gosh, do I need to go? Do I need to go? Do I need to go? But it absolutely can be anxiously attached people too. Like any attachment style, even secure, even you secure people out there, never met you. (laughs) Don't know you. Supposed secure people. (laughs) Anyone could be in this predicament of wondering like what is enough to stay? What is enough to make me go? Yeah. It's complicated. It's it's very complicated for me because I'm engaged now since our last episode. <laughs> oh my which, gosh, why didn't we start? We should have started with that. That's okay. It was like a month ago now. <laughs> You're the best. But yeah, like I've also always that person that's like, okay, like I've got 45 backup plans and yeah. that keeps my anxiety low. Oh, yeah. and now we're engaged. Where did all my backup plans go? Yeah. And then also realizing that like, what is engagement actually? Like it doesn't mean like, it doesn't mean the relationship can't end. It doesn't mean we totally. have to get married. It's totally. been really relieving to remind myself and to have Mal remind me, like, just so you know, this doesn't mean we have to do anything. Yeah. Which was just really, really, she knows, she knows that's what I need to hear, even though that's not what I want. Of course I want to marry her. But yeah, I also, I have parents who are now divorced who, after they got engaged, had like a very strong feeling that they shouldn't get married, but mm. because they were engaged, felt like we mm-hmm. don't have an out anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, engagement isn't like a magic fix for the the antsiness, the relationship antsiness. It's real into engagement. It's real into marriage, as we know. Yeah. I think that that's so interesting, too, is like the permission giving that you're doing probably actually relieves a lot of pressure and stress so that... Like if you wanted to make a different decision or needed to, that it would be available. But also I think that that gives more permission to be like, I can just sink into this and enjoy this mm-hmm. rather than like like the tension that you can feel. Right. And like what it means for us doesn't have to be what it means for other people. Like right. neither of us are like, this means that no matter what, we are together forever. Right. It means like, no, like we want to build a life together and we're upping the stakes a little bit because we trust that that's where this is going. And like, that's yeah. what it means. Yeah. That's all. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Not romantic, but maybe the most romantic. Yeah. I, I think that knows. it's, I think it's really romantic. Thank you. Thank yes. You. We had some juicy, amazing, intelligent, wonderful questions. All the questions episode. are so good. I'm very excited. <sighs> all right. The first question, the first person says, there is an acknowledged growing divide in libidos in our relationship. One partner refuses couples therapy. Hmm. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. No question mark. (laughs) Mm. One, I think the fact that you said that there is an acknowledged divide is an essential part of this. And I also think that despite being a therapist, I don't also believe that therapy is the only way to address relational concerns. So I think that I would be curious as to what is going on for this person that they aren't willing to go to therapy, but are there other things that they're willing to do to talk about this? Like, what is the conversation like? You can have conversations that are facilitated by therapists, but also within your relationship. I think that a divide in libido is often people freak out because we have assigned so much importance to what it means to have a really active, like, sexual relationship, an erotic relationship in a relationship. And we're like, okay, this is what makes us partners. This is what makes us different from friends if we're having sex or not. And so I think people really panic about it. But having different libidos is just really, really normal. It just is really, really normal. It's really, I think, challenging to expect that you will experience the same thing at the same time for 
years with another person. I'm so glad you went first. Your answer was so much more nuanced than my original answer, which was like, if they don't go to couples therapy with you, they got to go. But I don't actually feel that way. <laughs> part, of, part of me feels that way. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Therapy isn't the only way. It's like been pedestalized as, as the way. And there are so many other ways. So to your point, like what other ways are they putting on the table in response yeah. to reject, you know, after they reject therapy, what are they offering? Yep. I think also this is not the case across the board, but I find that often new relationship energy for people who, who are not ace in particular, when the new relationship energy, hormones, neurochemicals are raging, it can, it can move both people into a spontaneous form of desire, even if it's not their baseline. And as the relationship continues, people settle sort of back into more of their baseline kind of desire. And you mm. might discover a year plus into the relationship, oh, like we actually both aren't spontaneously aroused by each other. And yeah. it's not a failing on the relationship. It's just the, the natural biological course of a relationship in some ways. Mm. Um, but, but I do wonder, I want your thoughts on this too. Like if you really, really want to go to couples therapy mm -hmm. with a partner mm -hmm. and your partner over and over again, like won't even try it, won't even mm -hmm. go once with you. Is there a point where, where it's okay for that to be a deal breaker? Uh, yeah, I think so. Regarding couple therapy or individual therapy, you know, I had a partner who wouldn't go to individual therapy either. And I was like, you That's need almost to. Harder. And so I think for couple therapy, like what I think folks are reaching for there is a space to be heard and a space to have like a break from what probably feels like repeated patterns and arguments mm -hmm. and wants mm -hmm. a new perspective. So I think that like the reach for couples therapy is the reach to like maintain a relationship. It's and not be alone in this. Yeah. Anymore. Yes. Cause it can feel so isolating. And you, you know, for me, it's challenging sometimes to talk about relationship issues that I'm having with, with my friends sometimes because I feel a fear of being judged. And mm -hmm. so I think that sometimes I'm like a couple therapist would be great because they are invested in me, but they're also not going to try and like fight my partner or be mad at them when right. they do some fuck shit to me. You know they're not going to take your side, which actually is really comforting when you're getting advice sometimes. I think that it could be a deal breaker to answer your question because I think that it could be like, especially if they're not proposing other strategies, right. like if they're not like, okay, not couples therapy, but why don't we really prioritize once a week, we sit down and have a conversation specifically about this recurring mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. Why don't we like why don't we try some date nights? Why don't we go on vacation? We've been stuck in the house for this amount of time, whatever. If there's no proposal and it's just like, yeah, I no. don't know, but I'm not about to do anything about it. Then I think that that also just would feel so painful. So, Right. Yeah. At that point, it's almost not even about couples therapy. It's like, why are you so complacent in mm -hmm. our relationship? That's, that's the thing that feels painful. Almost. Yeah. Period. But, you know, there are people that like have medical trauma, have been traumatized, like by True. the like, therapy industrial complex, right? So like there are some cases where I do feel like there's an exception there. Yeah. And I think it's also like, is there an attempt to try? Like if somebody yeah. is like, fine, um, I, I have mixed opinions on this, right? Because if somebody's like, fine, you find the therapist, you do this, and then I'll go begrudgingly. And then it doesn't work. I can always tell when a couple comes in and there's one partner who's like, yes, finally we're here. And the other one is like, 
<gasps> whatever, I guess, twiddles thumbs, looks at the phone and is like, uh, and then they get off and they're like, see, it didn't work. We And it should have worked in whatever way that they defined work and it should have happened in 50 minutes. So. Okay, next question. Hard to know how to balance things you need and things you want and thinking the grass is greener on the other side. So how would you go about this? Right. So it seems like this person is caught between the question of, am I missing something for real that I need? Mm. Or am I playing this comparison game? And that's what's making me feel dissatisfied in my relationship, which, oh my God, have I been there? Woo. I feel like we've all been there. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like the truth is like, we will all on and off throughout a relationship or relationships have the experience of the grass being greener. We've all, you know, gone on that double date and watched another couple interact in a way that we wish for and longed mm. for. We've seen, you know, the Instagram posts and said, why don't you ever do that for me? Right. Like this is a very you know, common, common thing we engage in in our relationships. I think there's a couple ways we can suss this out. First, the thing that you're comparing your relationship to, take a moment to just ground yourself in like the actual reality of what you do know and what you don't know about that relationship, right? Like you are seeing a snapshot. Are you comparing the worst moment of your relationship to the best moment of somebody else's? Mm -hmm. Are you comparing your real life relationship to a social media curated relationship? Mm. So like, let's make sure that the basis of comparison is, is an even playing field, which in reality, it can never be because you will never know what goes on behind closed doors of somebody else's relationship. And I guarantee you that it is not what you think it is. Um, as somebody who does curate my relationship for social media, like how many times have I posted a beautiful post about Mal where I'm like crying in a fight with her that morning? Many times. That's, that's what yeah. real relationships look like. Mm-hmm. So there's that piece of things. I think also as you're assessing, are the wants and needs I have that aren't being met in this relationship enough to make me leave? Mm. Ooh, that's a really, that's a really tough one. Every relationship has unsolvable problems, right? We've talked about this. So choosing a relationship or relationships is really about which set of unsolvable problems you're willing to live with for a long amount of time. Mm. So don't buy into any fantasy that when you leave this set of unsolvable problems, you're not going to be walking into a different set. Mm -hmm. Don't leave this relationship with a fantasy that the things coming up for you in this relationship aren't going to come up for you again. They are. It'll Mm -hmm. be here or next. And that being said, I don't know, Camille, like maybe you can fill in the blanks here. Like, Mm. are there, are there, what, what would be a good way that folks could, could check in with themselves and sort of measure, like, this has gotten to a point where I know it is actually not a problem I want to live with Mm. long-term. Oh, I'm feeling attacked by this question. (laughs) Are you? (laughs) I could see why. (laughs) I feel like it's so hard to, like this person wondering about how to balance the things that you need and the things that you want. I think that the way that I think about it is like, we all have like a variety of needs and wants. And like, there are going to be unsolvable issues in relationships. And it's okay if like, I like to go out to dinner and you prefer to stay in and cook. And we kind of like have a divide on that sense. But if I really, really love to travel 
and you hate to travel. And this is really big in my life. And it's not going to be a priority in your life. Like my big things, my top of the list things, my non-negotiable things, they, they have to be like kind of like mostly met. If I have like things that I really require in a relationship and my top three things are met, but like my bottom four aren't, then like, I think that that is a compromise. But let's say like my most things that are most important to me in a relationship are not being met in this relationship. Like I can't, I find it really, it really challenging to compromise on those things. So I think it's like figuring out what your non-negotiables are. And if those are overwhelmingly not being met, it might be like, okay to consider leaving and finding a different relationship because you're going to have some things that are like middle ground that would be like it would be nice to have this it would be nice to have somebody who is somebody who shares the same decorating style as me yeah like things like that and be like that would be really nice to have if like we were just on the same page when we're like decorating our place we're like same vibes that would be nice That's to really have. convenient yeah. yeah it's really convenient and then if it was like i really need somebody who I need somebody who isn't going to raise their voice every mm-hmm. time we have an argument. Yes, right. And so let's say that like I do have somebody who is compatible designing skills to me, but I have somebody also who raises their voice every time we're in an argument. That to me, that tension point is something that I would have to interrogate. Because I'd be like, this really significant need of mine is not being tested. I'm being activated. Um, I've communicated that I can't deal with this, that I won't deal with this, but you keep doing it. But it's nice that we decorate the same. And it's nice that we have similar hobbies. And it's really, really great that we have a similar sense of humor. But like things that make me feel like my wounds are being opened, like my sense of self is being kind of like... Destabilized. Yeah, destabilized. Like I think that that's kind of my approach to something like this. Sort of like we've got the sort of like red, yellow, green level mm-hmm, mm-hmm. important things we need from a partner. And I think if there's if there's something that's in the red, really important to you that isn't there and there's forward movement on it. Yeah, that's like a good point. That's, that sometimes is the best you can hope for. That's actually amazing. You've got a partner who cares about the things that are important to you yeah. and are moving in that direction. I think this also makes me think about how incredible it is if non-monogamy is on the table or if you're somebody who has romantic friendships or like really deep lifelong friendships that, you know, maybe a question is, is this particular relationship the only place I can get this red yeah. level thing, right? Like, Camille, I love to travel. Maybe, yeah. you know, true. maybe your boo doesn't love to travel. You and I will go travel the world. So, That's so true. Asking mm. like, are there different relationships where I can puzzle piece them in or you know what, this is the person I'm going to live with. This is the person I want to be with long term and I need this person to have this quality then then yeah, I think. Yeah. I think you've got something potentially worth leaving over. Yeah. That's such a good point. I like the way you thought about that. There's so much nuance, I think, to this question, which is why yeah. this this whole theme is like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's why this whole theme is torture. It because is. literally no one can answer this question for you. Nope. You can answer the question and never know if it was, quote unquote, the right thing because like there is no right or wrong. Nope. So if you decide to leave... Mm-hmm. make it the right thing for mm-hmm. you. And if mm-hmm. you decide to stay, figure out how to make that the right thing for you. Mm. Period. Me and my therapist were just talking about this yesterday. 
And she read Ooh. me as usual. <laughs> My uh, therapist. She always does. She does. She's, She's the good. best. She's the fucking best. We need to have her on here. We do. She, yeah. What's her name? Uh, Nadej. Nadej. We need Nadej. Nadej, please come through and bless the people. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a quick break to talk about an amazing show, Bedside. And I know it's amazing because a couple of months ago, I was a guest and the conversation is seriously not to miss. Questions like, how do I have better orgasms, build amazing relationships, talking about what does good sex mean? What does that look like in practice? Each week on Bedside, sex educator Tatiana delves into intimate interviews and explorations around modern day sex dating, love, and wellness with a little manifestation sprinkled in there too. Bedside chats with experts and wellness thought leaders about the many and unique approaches to sex and pleasure, all while keeping you curious, informed, and of course, having fun. You can expect topics like friend breakups, ghosting, tips from sex therapists, and explorations into the energetics around love, partnership, and sexuality. Tune into Bedside wherever podcasts are found, available on all streaming platforms. Bedside is your go-to resource for all things good sex. Okay, next question. Yeah. Is, ooh, I'm so glad I'm asking you. Okay, <laughs> is breakup sex unhealthy? Oh Should you have a closure conversation before or after? That, I'm glad that you asked me this too, and not glad that you asked me this too, because... <laughs> I am a hoe, so I I have breakup sex like 14 times before <laughs> I break up with someone. So is it unhealthy? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, but your breakup sex also leads to you getting back together. Exactly. So not there's anything wrong with that, but can we really call it breakup sex? It's more like an interlude. True. It is like an interlude. It is like yeah. an interlude. With my last relationship that ended, we were doing, we were sexting a lot after we broke up never never like had um like physical sex after we broke up but like there was the prospect and it and with breakup sex was very much on the table it was like should we just like get a hotel fuck each other's brains out and then like that's it and i kept being like no and we'd be like yeah 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 and then one of us would be like no nah, that's not a good idea and then the other person would be like yeah 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 and like no nah, that's not a good idea so i think that that is true i don't think that i've actually ever had like a closing this is the last time that we're going to mm-hmm. have sex moment because if it's the last time we're going to have sex i'm doing my best work you are not going to want to let me go after that because I'm doing gymnastics in the bedroom after that. I'm going to be like, last time? Okay, you're going to be like, no, marry me. And then I'm going to be like, you can't. So, um, oh my God. is it unhealthy? Probably yes for me. But I think that in general, I think I it- love you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it because I sound... Unhinged, no, no, unhinged today. So, no, I, you're perfect. I think that it's like it really depends on the person. Like, I think that some people really struggle to compartmentalize what something means, and I think that if you are participating in a breakup that maybe you don't actually want the relationship to end and you're like fine let's have breakup sex and you know that you would feel so connected and so sad and you would be grieving even harder to have this moment with that person think about if that would be a good decision for you because if you're if you're going into it like me and being like I'm gonna like 
do work and you're going to be like, let's not break up. But then if that person is like, thank you, this is beautiful. This is what I needed for closure. Bye. And you're going to be like, wait, what? Are you doubly heartbroken? Are you doubly heartbroken? So I think really asking yourself if like it's in your capacity to do so. But I don't think that it's unhealthy at all. I think that a lot of people can do it and really have like this moment of connection and passion that reminds them of this is a part of why we loved each other. This is where we felt safe and held. We were able to like experiment with each other in this way. We were able to like do these things and like, I love you so much and this isn't working out, but thank you. I really think that it could be a really beautiful thing. Or what if it's like, I don't love you that much, but the sex was always the best part of this. So we might as well end with what we do best. True. Ooh, that's also facts. Yeah. Yeah. We talk a lot on here about how like we're so taught to compartmentalize the sexual components of our lives. We often draw these arbitrary lines. And I think this is another breakup. Sex is another thing that's been like so stigmatized because it's sex. Mm. Like sex is something you did during the relationship. Just like talking is something you did during the relationship. Just Mm. as crying was maybe something you did during the relationship. So if talking and crying can be part of the breakup, why does sex get put in this box of like something that absolutely you should never do? Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe because there is like a, you know, the reality that probably like shitty people have really abused breakup sex and used people through it. And that's real. But Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't know. I, I, I feel like we, sh- we shouldn't really treat it differently. And mm. if it's the thing that you need, if, if, if breakups hurt so much already, oh, is they hurt having so much. sex going to be the thing that, that makes them hurt? No, they already hurt. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't have breakup sex. You shouldn't not have breakup sex. Like do what makes sense and maybe do what doesn't make sense and then have compassion for yourself. Yeah. We do a lot of things that don't make sense. When we're yeah. Break That's, I think the whole thing, like re- romantic relationships are just, you know, they're really hard. And so I think that like self-compassion is so essential. And I think the second part to this person's question about a closure conversation before mm-hmm. or after, I think that that before or after could be really helpful to be like, to acknowledge too. Like, okay, like this is something that we're going to do potentially for the last time and be in agreement and have some consent around that so that, you know, I think that just conversation and communication is so helpful because if one person is like, okay, well now we're fuck buddies. And the other person was like, no, this was the last time again, that's going to be even harder. So I think a conversation about like, this is what this means. And, you know, this is where we want to, I think that you can romanticize it a little bit, like with me and my ex, even though it never happened, it was like, Let's, you know, maybe we have a hotel because we don't want to have sex in the bed that we shared for a long time. Maybe we want to think about it in that way. I love how caring you can be for an ex through that yeah, process. Yeah, totally. And be like, well, I can't, like, I can't really come over to your house because then I'm going to be, I'm going to be right back in it. I'm going to be thinking about like, all right, now let's order Uber Eats. Let's do our mm-hmm. things. But if you can 
give yourself some space to have it be more ritualized and be like, this is what we did. And like, thank you for this love. And I love like this, this process of deconstruction is actually opening something up for me because I'm realizing that for so long I've associated breakup sex with angry sex. Mm. And that's actually not what we're talking about. Mm. I mean, it could be, yeah, could but be. actually like, what if it, what if it actually is like a really, a, a warm, loving need meeting yeah. co-created decision yeah. and then there's not, it's not angry at all. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I hope this doesn't need to be said, but don't have breakup sex without the person knowing that you're about to break up. Yes. Yes. Please don't do that. Yes. Please, <laughs> please, please don't do that. And yeah. be like, you know what? I've been thinking like, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, I can. I feel like it's maybe happened to me once having a flashback, but I can't remember who it was. But I would whatever. be in a homicidal rage if somebody yeah. did that. So. Oh, yeah. Rightfully <laughs> so, honestly. <sighs> Next question. Is it best to break up if I'm not feeling emotional intensity in my relationship with my partner? I don't know for you, but like as an intensity junkie, I know or I've learned over time that intensity isn't the same thing as security. Intensity isn't the same thing as healthfulness, fulfillment, consistency. It's not, it's not necessarily the thing I, I want to build my life on. So it depends. It depends what you value in your relationship. If emotional intensity is the thing you really love about relationships, then you might be somebody that is in a series of relationships across your life or is non-monogamous because it's almost impossible to have a secure relationship that sustains an emotional intensity. So if you want a long-term relationship, particularly if you're monogamous, you're going to have to go through periods without the emotional intensity. And those periods might actually be opening up a, a big possibility of healing for you. Because what happens for you when things aren't intense? Are, has your body, for whatever reason, learned to regulate around a sense of intensity? That can happen when we're raised in chaotic environments. It can happen when we've been in chaotic relationships. There are a lot of reasons why uh, intensity might feel like the most comforting and comfortable thing. But there might be a lot for you to learn in the stability of a, of a not intense relationship. So... I don't know how to answer that question for you, but those, those would be the things I'd be thinking about. Okay, this next question is, it kind of bounces off of that. So how do I handle staying with a partner who doesn't want sex when I do want to keep that in the relationship? Hmm. This is really hard. It is hard. And I think a few things are coming up for me, like a partner who doesn't want sex at all a partner who wants less sex than you, a partner who, like, I would be curious to know a little bit more about this because if somebody Mm -hmm. is like, hey, we've been together for this amount of time and I know sex has been part of our relationship, but I'm actually not interested in it and I don't want sex to be part of our relationship at all anymore, I think that that would be a hard adjustment. And if somebody's like, I am processing maybe some some trauma or I'm really, really stressed with this project at work or, and so right now sex is not a priority for me, mm-hmm. but it's not as though I never want to have sex again, but maybe mm-hmm. right now it's not available. I think that that is something that is negotiating. But I think that if you enter into a relationship and you have certain processes in the relationship and now those processes are being stripped away, I think it's okay to acknowledge and have a conversation with yourself and be like, is this workable for me? 
Mm-hmm. Right. Going back to sort of the, the red, yellow, green level, like yeah. it's, it's okay if sex being part of your relationship is a deal breaker. Absolutely. That's okay. I think for many people that would be the case. Yeah. But to, to your point, Camille, having some of the patience and wherewithal to wonder, like, is this a long-term dynamic? Um, what, what else might be going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, also like this might be, a, this is a moment where I think a lot of people wonder about opening their relationships or moving into some form of non-monogamy mm-hmm. because if, if you have all the other, you know, level red, beautiful things and sex is the one thing that is, is off the table right now, that actually is available. Yeah. If, yeah. If you and your partner can regulate around that. So, yeah. Um, so there is an option C and D and E. <sighs> Um, Next question. I feel like my partner is more in love with me than I am with them, but I don't want to end it. Yeah. So don't end it. Period. (laughs) Basically, like the same way that Camille, you were saying, we're not all going to have the same libido our entire relationship. We're not going to feel the exact same way about each other. Mm -hmm. There are definitely days where like I am finding Mal way hotter than she finds me or days when like she is like feeling really loving towards me and I'm like, give me some space. Yeah. So it's and I know I know this person is probably asking more globally, but it might be that the whole relationship one of you loves differently than the yeah. other. And that is okay as long as the dynamics created within that discrepancy aren't one where one person is always sort of waiting for you to leave. Mm. Um, mm. That, that gets dangerous, right? Like that's when, when it's almost impossible to build, a, build secure attachment with one another. But if, if it's like, I don't love them as much as they love me, but my needs are met, I'm so happy. Yeah. I don't wanna go anywhere. And mm-hmm. I, I can give security to my partner through those things. I think also it brings up the question, like, what is love? Like, you want to stay? You want to treat your partner well? You enjoy being with them? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not the love that you were taught as love, but that sounds like a, a kind of love to me. Mm-hmm. Could be. This sounds like my ideal relationship. I would love this. <laughs> I think I would, you actually would. I would love this because I think that... It'd be great for your attachment. It would be so great. Honestly, it would be so great for my attachment. And like, I love to like show up for people and like do all of the things. So I think that I would definitely be able to be in a relationship where I felt like this was a dynamic. And I think that it does beg the question, what is love? Because like, is love like like this person is like really verbally affirmative to you and that's mm-hmm. how you know and this person wants maybe have more sex or this person is like showing you off all over Instagram is that like how are you determining mm-hmm. what how you're like understanding what love is and how do you know that they love you more and in this way that you're asking a question which means you must feel it in like a significant way like mm-hmm. this person is like loves me so much and I'm neutral about them or and I and I love them I'm not like obsessed with them head over heels Mm -hmm. for them and I think that um I wouldn't want that to end either and I think that it can be workable and uh, and I think also if this person is expressing love so deeply like you are also giving and providing something to them it's very hard for like you know a fire to burn with no air so Mm -hmm. 
they are receiving something from you. Maybe you're not conscious about it. Maybe you're not like, I'm going out of my way to do this, this, and this. And I'm not like leaving love notes all around the house. But like you're giving them something and they're experiencing mm-hmm. love for you. Or else that would be really hard for them to demonstrate. That love would be hard to demonstrate because they wouldn't have any air to feed it. Mm-hmm. I think that's real. And I think like there's this one other dynamic that's coming to mind that sometimes plays out this way. It's when one partner pedestalizes a partner more than the other person maybe pedestalizes them, which can feel a lot like the love that we have for each other is different when Mm -hmm. in reality, I think there's like some other attachment stuff that maybe is at play there. Like it can be really uncomfortable to feel pedestalized by a partner. Now, Camille, you probably would love this. So... Probably wouldn't be very uncomfortable for you. But actually, I would love it. Please, somebody. <laughs> this is like one place we're different because I feel, I feel, on one hand, I feel like I crave being pestilized. On the other hand, when it happens, it's really scary because I feel like the only place I have to go from here is disappointing them. And I, I worry, I worry as I show more of who I am, my human parts, that that's going to, to, phase out. So I do wonder, you know, if the person asking this or other people relating to this feel like they're being pedestalized, separate that out from love a little bit, try to maybe find some language around like, what is, what's scary about, about the discrepancy and does it bring mm-hmm. up insecurity for you? Mm. Cause it could bring confidence up for you like yeah. it does for you, but it also, I think could bring up fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a good point. Sorry, you were going to say something. Uh, I was going to say, like, I'm getting into all my attachment shit now, but some of us had had parents that needed us a little too much, right? Yeah. Wanted us a little too much, pedestalized us a little too much. And so if we feel like that dynamic is being recreated, it might actually feel like unsafety instead of safety. <sighs> Camille, how do I know if I'm incompatible with someone despite loving them? Mm. This is like... Kind of the flip side in a way. There are incompatibilities in lots of relationships and you can still love. And I I think that it doesn't, I don't think that one supersedes the other or means that like incompatibility means that like love can't be present. Like I think about me and my best friend, for example, she is not a physical person. Like she does not like hugs really. And like, if I don't see her in a while, I'm like, literally, I'm like, trying to yeah I like just want to scoop her up and she's little and I just want to squeeze her and she'll be like hello (laughs) and I'm just like and we're very incompatible in that way but I love her so much and I feel loved by her in a lot of different ways in which we are compatible so I think it's similar to kind of like that um red yellow green light of like are my incompatibilities are they really really glaring Mm -hmm. and strong because in like total compatibility I think is kind of mythical um because I Mm -hmm. think it also does put such a pressure on like we want the same thing at the same time we feel the same thing about the same things all the time and then Mm -hmm. I think that if we use that as a standard to identify or justify love that seems pretty impossible to me so yeah But I think that it is important to interrogate within yourself if the incompatibilities are feeling like they are hurtful to you or it's feeling like gaping holes of unmet needs and that it isn't something that the other person is willing to compromise on. Because incompatibilities can often be talked about and you can be like, yeah, I like to do this. You don't really like to do this or I communicate this way and you don't, but I'm going to like 
learn a little bit more about you and we'll come closer to center. But if it's like, nah, I don't want to do any learning. I don't want to do any Mm -hmm. investigating of myself. I'm just going to be over here doing my thing and you have to come over here. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the check-in question that when my, like, should I stay or should I go anxiety gets high that I ask myself is, is the growth that my relationship is calling me into the growth that I'm interested in doing anyway? Ooh, uh, okay. Yeah, if the the answer is yes, if the incompatibilities, if if pulling towards center is, and center is where I would want to be anyway, like, I want to be more patient. Mm. I want to be more comfortable with my partner needing space. I want to be more okay with um, forms of processing that aren't the same as mine. Like those, those are values aligned changes that I want to make. And so even though we might be, you know, quote unquote, currently incompatible in those ways, it's pulling me towards center in a way that makes me like myself more, mm-hmm. which, which makes me love her more. But yeah. I do, th- I have experienced, I, I think many people experience reality that like love isn't enough. And I think we're raised, most of us being taught that Love should seal the deal. It really doesn't. I have Mm -hmm. gone through many a breakup where I was still very deeply in love with the person, but it was just so clearly not working. Yeah. Um, So, so that does happen and there's, there's no shame in that. And it's okay to acknowledge like the love is still there. And also love isn't what makes a lasting relationship. Love isn't what makes a happy relationship. Mm. I've loved, I love people and it's been incredibly unhappy. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Why do therapists always lean toward the couple staying together? Do you ever suggest a couple break up? Why or why not? Mm-hmm. I totally don't feel this way about myself as a therapist. In fact, like I started out as a therapist and I was like, my default was everyone should break up. <laughs> I didn't tell anybody that, but in, my, in the back of my head, I was like, None of this is going to work. So I've had to work very hard, actually, to to believe in relationships that are in a really difficult, mm. a really difficult place. And I think I've you know swung swung towards center now in a way that that feels better and is, is better. <laughs> um, I almost almost never tell a couple relationship what to do. No. Almost never. I'm almost never. Mm-hmm. I will at sometimes give some self-disclosure. If I have like for many, many sessions had, for example, a feeling like, why is this person staying? Mm -hmm. They are reflecting to me that they are so unhappy. They are reflecting to, right. And so I might bring that into the room Mm -hmm. and I might say, I don't, I don't know what's right or wrong, but I am curious given what you've shared, like why? Like, and, and sometimes the answer to that question moves the, moves the relationship closer together. They they haven't said why. It is important that we as therapists come from a place of humility where we're like, we have no idea where this relationship is, truly no idea where this relationship is headed. Mm -hmm. And that is now how I start my, any of my relationships with couples and relationships is I have no clue. You all know way more than I do. I have no idea. I can maybe start to make predictions. I can map some theory onto this and use what I know. But at the end of the day, like... Couples who I thought absolutely would break up have shocked me and stayed together for years. And couples that I thought are were really incredible decided to end it way earlier. So over time, mm-hmm. I've learned I know absolutely nothing about what will happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the same way. I certainly do not lean toward let's figure out how to make this work. I kind of f- figure out like let's figure out what would work for you all. 
And mm-hmm. what would work for you is sometimes being able to process a breakup with a therapist. And mm-hmm. I actually really love that work. And I've worked through breakups with people where we come and yeah. we like, those are, that's some of my favorite it's cool work. work. It's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool of like, maybe like the relationship was toward the end, then they decide. And then we have sessions where we're talking about what this looks like. What are the logistics of this? What are the feelings that are left over? How do we navigate overlapping friendships and plans and businesses and all of that? But I think same as you, I would definitely like more lean toward, all right, this is this is going to end at some point. Same as you, couples have totally shocked me. I think we also use language like success or failure when it comes to relationships. And it's like, Success, Mm -mm. if it's only defined as staying together forever, a very, very tiny, tiny amount of people achieve relational success then. So I think that Mm -hmm. to call everything else failure is really fucked up. What do we need out of this relationship? What are some changes that can be made? What are some places where people aren't being seen? And what, how to empower people to make decisions that feel authentic to them, regardless of what I feel. Mm -hmm. I could be working with a couple and be like, Every single time, close the screen and be like, they should probably break up. And then they come the next session or like, thought about what you said. And all of these things have happened and changed. And I'm like, fuck yeah, like work. Like, I love it. I'll be your cheerleader in that. And I'll support you in that. And I think it's part of being a therapist is being like flexible in the needs of your clients. And it's not about what we want, what we think or what we think to know. Mm-hmm. Right. Because even imagine a world where we did know. Mm-hmm how much harm we would do if we didn't let people figure that out on their own timeline Yep. and for it to come from them. Yep. Like imagine if the decision to end a marriage came from, from us. Yeah. Like that, that, that's not our job. Nope. Um, but I do think the reality is a lot of, a lot of clients understandably fantasize about that being our job. Mm -hmm. Like I think a lot of people really hope my therapist will th- say the thing that one of us needs to say, but we're really scared to say, mm-hmm. or we are so confused. We've been confused for years. This person's going to gonna know the answer after an intake session. Yep. And so a lot, I think a lot of relation- relational therapy is doing some healthy frustrating of our clients, letting mm-hmm. them be frustrated that like mm-hmm. they don't know, we don't know. That's, th- that's not the mm-hmm. answer they're probably going to find mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in talking to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like, Working with couples and relationships, like I very much am about getting in the mud of not knowing with them versus yeah. like coming in and and guiding them in any particular direction. Absolutely. And I think that sometimes I will use that in the work and be like, what do you think I'm going to say? If I've worked, especially <laughs> if I've worked with someone for a long time mm-hmm. or I'll be like, what do you want me to say right now? And then mm-hmm. they can do it <laughs> themselves because right. sometimes they are like, can this, can she just tell us to break up so that I don't have to say it? And mm-hmm. then that's like so helpful. I did that in like an entire session the other day with an individual <laughs> where I was like, what do you think I'm going to say? What do you think I'm going to say? And then they're like, well, <laughs> that I should probably, da, da, da. and I'm like, and they're like, was I right? And I'm like, I don't know, but answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> We're the worst. <laughs> the worst. The answer is we are the worst. The worst. Um, <laughs> So should yeah. you stay or should you go? We have no idea. Yeah, we don't know. But hopefully this helped a little bit. <laughs> we really do not know, but we really encourage you to think about what would make the most sense for you and knowing that that answer can change from minute to minute and day to day. And, and it often does, especially if you're in a stuck place in your relationship. 
Be, mm-hmm. be kind with yourselves and know that it's all good. This week's safe word is cardigan and was given to us from Swirly. I like both of those. I feel like Swirly could be a good safe word too, but I'm like, I'm into this. Thanks for the recommendation. Safe word is hosted by Casey Tanner and Camille Lewis and is produced by coordinator E.T. Townsend. Our theme song is written and performed by Emma Jane and Toria Rainey. To support the show, please follow us on Spotify and take a moment right now to give us five stars. We also love rave reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Every other week, we put a question box out on Instagram, giving you the opportunity to ask for advice on the topic at hand. To submit long form questions in writing or your own voice, go to the Safe Word Pod or Queer Sex Therapy Instagram page and click on our link tree in the bio to write out those longer questions. If anything today made you curious about seeking support, the Expansive Group has a great team of therapists and mentors to discuss challenges you might be facing. Go to theexpansivegroup.com, submit a contact form, and we will help you get connected. For a behind-the-scenes look at SafeWord and podcast updates, find us on Instagram at SafeWordPod. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of SafeWord.